one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Denise Salcedo, how are we doing? We're doing great. Glad to be back. We have to stop eating like this because people will talk. It's been at least twice. <laughs> At least twice in a year. We're going to get the rumors started. Oh, no, Denise and Tom are spending too much time together. Funny enough, like when I went home this past weekend to see my mom and dad, like they keep vague tabs on what I'm doing. And my dad was like, who is that bloody American woman you were talking about yourself and wrestling with? So <laughs> stop it. Seriously. Watched. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> well, hi, dad. How's so, uh, going? <laughs> My dad will be delighted. Here's from the with American that. girl. <laughs> My dad will be delighted with that. He will do. Out of interest, I'm keen to know because I'm basing this on what I saw on your Twitter a while ago. You know how you have you are the, the busiest person of all the yes. times, and I noticed that you had like a schedule that you keep, like a like a physical schedule, a timetable with things. What color is the square which says Tom Campbell in? I'm just intrigued. Oh, okay. So that one you can't see right now because right. it is paced on my desk. But right now you're in white. But as soon as I'm done with this, you're going to be highlighted in orange. And the reason you're orange is because this week is all black and orange because I'm trying to get into the Halloween mood. So everything is color coordinated. And just a little uh, tiny glimpse here for all of your uh, viewers. Uh, I color coordinate every weekly That's schedule. Just. And hand do every single week. So this is this year. These are the weeks that have that have passed. And my goal is to um, my goal is to keep them going for the rest of the year. And then at the end of the year, see like everything that I did. So right now you're you're in, you're going to be in orange. I'm I'm delighted to be in orange. Um, we, it, because there's something about having it like because we all put stuff down on computers and write stuff down on on screens. There's something quite nice about having something physically written down, isn't there? I can't do digital. I cannot. I tried it. I got like a program. I downloaded. I made a little schedule. I even color coordinated it on there. I can't. I can't stick to it. Like I need to have it written down. So now my desk is just full of like like a bunch of like, you know, different notes that I have on here. I'll like write post-its and stuff. And it's really the best way to kind of keep tabs. But I also have a whiteboard too. And the whiteboard is like a really good visual. And then on the bottom, I have like a, I have two uh, like paper whiteboards 
afterwards as well. So I have the one where you could do the dry erase markers and then the ones where you have the permanent marker. It's the whole thing. It's the, a whole the, the commitment, the commitment to it is incredible. But that's, that's simply because you become so busy and we want to break down sort of how we got to where we are today. And we're going to do so whilst talking about three wrestling matches that you would watch while st- stranded on a desert island. So Denise, we're going to start with your first one. What's your first one going to be? So I do have a question. Do I start okay. with my favorite one or does it matter like the order that I do? Order is, is not important on this one. You can start with whichever one. Some, some people like to do it chronologically. So they go from the oldest match to the newest match. Sometimes people like have different beats that they want to hit with certain matches. So it's completely up to you. However you wish to, to, to manifest it, it is your call. Okay, so I'm actually going to start off with my favorite wrestling match ever. And uh, I kind of feel like it's my favorite wrestling match because like it really is one of those matches that I can just rewatch over and over again. So my first pick is uh, from January 10th, 2005, Ring of Honor, New York City, Kenta Kabashi versus Samoa Joe. That is my favorite match period and i just i love it so much and today i started to uh re-watch it because i've seen i've seen it a bunch of times whatever but it had been a good amount of time that has gone by since i seen it and part of me was a little scared i was worried i was like oh my god this is the match that you know it's my favorite match what if i go back and i watch it and it sucks right mm, I was that could happen that. i went back and i was very very nervous I rewatched it and I was even thinking like, maybe I'll just watch a little bit of it, you know, so that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm good, right? Just a little refresher. I ended up watching the entire thing and I still had these moments of, oh, you know, those kind of reactions. So thank God it lived up to its expectations that I built in my head from what I had remembered. Now, as, as I'm a wrestling fan of a certain vintage, I remember this match first time round and how, important it was because it was like ring of honor had kind of risen from the ashes of a wrestling industry and they were becoming like sort of almost de facto the second big company because they were and they were doing it in a really classy way where they were becoming the wrestling company and it was all about these about the, the technical excellence and there was something about like they were already gathering momentum but there was something about kabashi turning up and putting that giving that seal of approval that made everybody go oh ring of ring of honor are are a big deal they're a big deal yes and like even okay so i should probably give a little bit of like feet like some background information so you know this match did happen in 2005 but i was kind of late to you know to going in and watching ring of honor so what happened to me is like i grew up a wwe fan like that's essentially how i grew up watching wrestling and by 2005 i was already attending like independent wrestling events i was always already going to pwg but aside from that i still really wasn't completely like branching out so i was watch this match like two years after it actually happened which is kind of like the interesting part of it because I ended up going down like this rabbit hole where that's when I started you know discovering you know different wrestlers different people that I hadn't been aware of because again I grew up a WWE fan so I kind of went down this like rabbit hole of like Samoa Joe matches Ring of Honor matches in general and that's how I ended up finding this one so I didn't watch live like this is something that I watch afterwards so it's pretty cool like in my opinion to like 
find out that my match, my favorite match, wasn't even something that I watched in the moment and that even then it held up. And even now, years later, it has definitely held up. And as today, as I was like watching it, I was remembering like why I liked it. And I kind of feel like the reason why it's special to me is that I almost feel like it was the like catalyst of me starting to kind of change the type of wrestling styles that I saw myself you know, sort of interested in. I think this is one of the matches where it kind of made me uh, see wrestling in a different light than I had been seeing it before. So I kind of feel like it's special to me in that way. Is there a moment from that match, you've mentioned there about a few times where like even now you're kind of bracing whilst watching it. Is there a moment from that match that stands out to you? Okay, so there's a moment where Kabashi is like literally like, just chopping the hell out of Samoa Joe. Okay, cool. But then he kind of like for a split second, his hand gets like a little tired, right? And for that split second, he senses it. Everybody watching the match senses it. And then he kind of goes like, uh, uh, like, can we, I don't know, can we curse on here? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So he kind of has like this, like F that moment. And then he just- <laughs> I like how you ask him a curse and then you still go F. I kind of didn't want to curse on the show. I really, I really hope you go, can we curse on this? Yeah, go on, I'm fiddlesticks. I'm trying to clean up my reputation. So he, so, okay, so he's chopping them, right? He's chopping them. And then he has this moment where his hand gets tired. Everyone senses it. And he goes, nah, nah, like I'm going to continue killing this guy. And then he picks up the, the, the pace. Like he picks up the pace and the energy and the intensity in which he's chopping him. And I'm just, and then you sense this like wave of emotion from the crowd. Cause they're all like, oh, he kicked it up a notch and we didn't even know he could kick it up a notch. And that's kind of like what we saw play out through like the entire match. And it was funny too. Cause like right in the beginning, you see Samoa Joe just like slap him and like piss him off. And it's kind of like, okay, you thought this was going to be one thing. Now this turned into like another thing. And even just, within a couple of like moves, like they hadn't really even done much. Like the match had just started and people were already like going off, like this is awesome and this and that. So it's a very uh, intense match, which is why I like it so much. Uh, You mentioned that at this time you were discovering wrestling, you were a WWE kid. Can you remember what turned you on to wrestling in the first place? Okay, so, I mean, I think I've said the story before, but it was my uncle who got me into wrestling. He was the one that grew up a wrestling fan. He was the one that would have it around the house. I would just kind of be like messing around where I would like, he'd be watching wrestling, okay? And I just wanted to be the annoying kid. So I would literally just go in front of the TV and I knew Stone Cold, right? Because everybody knew Stone Cold. And I would just go in front of the TV and like do like the middle fingers and just like block his view of the TV. And he'd get so pissed. He'd be like, Denise, move out of the way. And I'd be like, ha ha, ha ha, like I'm blocking your TV. TV, you can't watch wrestling. But then uh, he, uh, he he ended up getting his first job. We didn't have DVR back then, so I would record the videos. Yeah, I would, re- I would record on VHS videos uh, Monday Night Raw. So that's how I started watching because I would go in and, you know, I had nothing to do. So I'd just press record and I'd stay there. So the first couple of times I left, like I would click record and I'd leave and do something else. But then I ended up kind of sticking around and I ended up like kind of, you know, getting really interested in certain guys that I was seeing like Chris Jericho, um, Kurt Angle, Triple H, like all of those people. I became a big Stephanie McMahon fan. And so that was kind of like when I started, once I started connecting to people and certain talents, that's what kind of like brought me 
into being a fan. But I think that during this period of like my WWE fandom, I was more in love with the show aspect of it. I was in love with the, you know, the drama and the stories and the characters versus, uh, you know, once I, like I said, once I started, you know, discovering different types of promotions, when I started watching Impact Wrestling, when I started going to PWG, when I started, you know, going to different places and watching different stuff was when I started to become more of a fan of the art form of wrestling. And so there was this like shift. And I think that was like once when I discovered this match, that's kind of where the shift happened in my my fandom career. <laughs> uh, when, when you say like you discovered a lot of the other matches, so was it the Kabashi Joe match that first made you realize, oh, there's a, there's a whole world out there? No, it wasn't the first one. It wasn't the first one. Like I had already been like watching other people. Like I had been watching CM Punk matches in Ring of Honor. I had been watching, you know, Impact Wrestling matches. Like I I bought, I would go out and buy the DVDs and I would watch the shows on there because I I didn't really know. Like I was not the person that knew where to go and find stuff. I found out about Daily Motion like really late. And so I would have to go, I would go into like the stores and actually buy the DVDs and I would just watch what was on the DVDs. And so it wasn't until I started getting like on message boards where I made friends and then I'd see people like the, you know, meet brain and you meet friends and they send you links and stuff like that. And so that's kind of how I started discovering other people and other things. And once you discover a wrestler that you like, you end up kind of like following that person. And then all of a sudden you just end up down like a rabbit hole. When you discover message boards, there's something quite special about that because suddenly you you got what you feel what you feel like is something that only really you're into and people in the telly. All of a sudden, like there's there's loads more people in there. Which 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 message board of choice would you normally hang around in, Denise? So I, I you know that's funny. Okay, so I first okay, so I was this is not your typical wrestling message board, but I was a big MySpace fan. Nice, <laughs> that's good. MySpace was like my thing and they had I don't even remember, but they have like pages like fan yes. pages. So let's say you were a fan of CM Punk, right? OK, you'd have the CM Punk fan page. So I was on there and I would see stuff. And then I started going to I discovered some other wrestling boards and I wasn't like I don't even remember what they were called. That's the thing. Like I would just go on and like leave comments and stuff like that. And that didn't last too long. I kind of like wasn't there for as long. It was more for me. It was more of my space where I kind of developed like this, you know, community of friends where they would tell me things. And that's how I would essentially discover other things. I think there's a whole generation that missed out completely on the glory that is MySpace. Yes. I remember like decorating my MySpace profile. What did you have on your talk us round it? Talk us round your MySpace profile. It was terrible. So it was like very colorful. And then I remember there was like categories, like sections where you can add like your favorite people, your favorite this, your favorite that. I had all of these pictures of like all my favorite wrestlers. So you would go on my page and you would keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling because it would be like I would format it to be like so long because I wanted to include everybody that I liked. Then I started blogging on there, too. So that was like my first glimpse of blogging too so that was where you started your because I, I mean you're you go on to do um broadcast journalism at college um but would this have been whilst you were doing that or was this something that kind of gave you a taste for it no this was just something that I did for fun like no, I didn't think enough. anything of it like I didn't even think like hey this this might 
be something. No, I was just like messing around and like blogging, like dumb stuff. I wrote, like, I remember being so hurt when Kurt Angle left WWE because like, I was such a big Kurt Angle fan and such a big WWE fan. I wrote like an entire blog about how depressed I was that Kurt Angle left. And it, it was like, it's, it's such a, like, I was a little kid, you know? So like my blog was so dumb, but, uh, all that stuff's like gone now and disappeared. And, uh, yeah. So I kind of just, it was just for fun. Um, who can you remember who your top eight were? Yeah. It was number one was Taylor Swift. Nice. And then my other ones were my friends from school. Taylor Swift I didn't have one. any wrestlers. Yeah. I didn't have any wrestlers on my top eight. But Taylor Swift has been a, 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 a bit of a divine constant in your life anyway, hasn't she? Since I was 14 years old, it's been a long, long time. What was the first Taylor Swift song that you heard? Uh, the first one that I heard was Teardrops on My Guitar, but the song that made me a fan was our song. Nice. Uh, what is it about Taylor Swift? And well, you know, we, we're kind of going off on random tangents here, but I quite like it. Let's just pull the string and see where we go. Why Taylor Swift among everybody else? She's my hero. I don't know how to explain it. You know, when you connect to somebody and you just love every single thing about them. When I first listened to her first album, her self-titled debut album, Taylor Swift, I, I listened to it. And for the first time in my life, I felt like someone actually understood me and spoke about things that you don't talk about with anybody because it was just this like real raw, like connection that she has with her listeners where she really pours out her feelings and it's kind of like oh I didn't know other people felt this way and so that was really what kind of got me to connect with her and then as you know she got older and I got older it was kind of like her albums would mature as the as you know the years went through and so almost every time a new album would come out somehow some way it would connect to what was going on in my life uh, during that time and so I always kind of had this like growth so I've been like growing with Taylor Swift and she's only like two years older than me so uh it's you know it was always just there but I just think she's like a she's a businesswoman. She's so smart. And she's like, I know a lot of people like to say terrible things about her, but she's like such a good person. And I just like, oh, I just love her so much. She's my there, hero. There's, there's something to be said, like you say, like a businesswoman and somebody who's kind of very much found their own noise and found their own sound. And um, with, with yourself going to do broadcast journalism, I mean, the wrestling thing wasn't something that was in, in, in your plans. So what were the plans, Denise? What was it? What oh, was the man. Plan? My plan, my plan when I went into broadcast journalism was to actually be a news anchor. So I thought I was going to go, you know, down to a small market in some middle of nowhere, uh, you know, place in the United States and, you know, essentially report from there. But as I was, you know, doing that, I ended up doing local news in Pasadena and Pasadena here like nearby and I hated it I would go to like city council meetings and they were so boring and I just started thinking to myself I don't care like I know I'm supposed to care about this stuff because it's important and you know community and all of that stuff but I didn't care I had no interest in it whatsoever and so that's essentially why I decided this wasn't for me and then everybody that I would talk to they would tell me things like all of, all of the people that I used to work with that were like 
I was shadowing that were supposed to be like mentors. They were so mean. They were like, you don't have the voice to be doing news. You don't have the personality to be doing news. And then I started thinking, you know what? They're right. I do not have the voice to do news and I do not have the personality to do news. And you know what? I don't have the interest to do news. And so that's when I really decided to go into the entertainment route. That's always the route that I wanted to go in, but I didn't think that I could. I thought I had to do news first. And they kind of lie to you in school. They make you think you have to do news first. So let's say you're a guy and you want to do sports. Like they tell you, oh, you got to do news first. And then you go into sports. Like, nah, just go in and do what you want. That's the one thing that I wish they would tell you in school. But I, I think because historically, it's good to, to uh, you have that grounding in journalism. I think it's it's incredibly important. So I, th- I think a lot of people kind of set up set up campers like uh, sports report, sports YouTubers and wrestling YouTubers that don't have that understanding of things like libel and things like that. And, and things that probably, especially after the last 12 months where, uh, you know, there's been some pretty awful things talked about in wrestling, but also you, you have to see it from the legal standpoint. And there's been, there's been a matter of times where, uh, you, you see people who don't have that. So I get, I get why there is that, that push to get people to, to do the broadcast journalism bit first. But yeah, at the same time, like yourself, uh, you're down in Pasadena and you're being told you're not going to make it, kid. And it's, it's, did you ever get disheartened by that? Did you ever buy into oh, the yeah. people that were saying you're not going to do it? Oh yeah, my news director. So I was like, I had dyed my hair blonde. You know, I was young, I was experimenting and all of that. And she pulls me to the side one day and she just says to me, she's like, Denise, I need to be honest with you. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, you're not glamorous. You're not a glamorous girl. You need to change your hairstyle because it doesn't match your eyebrows. And if you want to be blonde, you need to be blonde the entire time and do the entire thing. She's like, it doesn't look good on you. You need to go back to your natural hair color and you need to be more glamorous. And I would get that so much. I went into like hosting class too, because I've taken so many hosting classes to, you know, just get better. And my teacher, I went in with this like really cute outfit. It was like this like plaid uh, dress and it had like a cute little like hairstyle, you know, pink lipstick and, you know, uh, you know, pink blush and all of this, you know, looking very youthful. So I go into my hosting class and I'm doing like my, you know, my bit, I'm doing my assignment. And then she says to me, she's like my, my instructor, she looks at me and she's like, Denise, you're never going to get hired anywhere because you look too young. No one's ever going to take you seriously. And you, 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 you cannot wear pink. I stopped wearing pink for years. She told me you can't wear pink because it just makes you look way too younger, way, like way more younger. And she's all, you need to make your voice sound a lot deeper. And so throughout these like years, one of the things that I've been working on so much is my voice. And I still have a very high pitched voice. because That's just what it is, but it's gotten so much deeper. Like when you compare it to like, past me and so it was one of those things where like you would be told constantly like this is not you need to be sexier you need to look older you need to present this you need to do that and so many people tell you so many different things and something that could be satisfying for one person it's not satisfying for another person and so you really have to have like this thick skin and realize like okay 
They're telling me these things and yeah, they hurt and they're not fun to hear, but it's going to get you to be better. And so immediately after that hosting class, when she told me all of those things, I called my friends that, you know, I feel had a good grasp on how to look older. And they were like, okay, this is what we're going to do, Denise. We're going to, you know, you're going to start wearing red lipstick. You're going to start doing eyeliner. You're going to start dressing differently. Get rid of the pink, no florals. And so I completely changed into like this solids, solids look and like more serious colors but it was just one of those things that like uh there's a lot of up and downs when you're pursuing a a career in like in 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 media whether you want to do entertainment or whatever it is that you want to do there's so much ups and downs I think a lot of it as well and, and historically it's been a gender thing as well like you I, I you have you've had conversations in your time that like I haven't had and that I know is down to gender that's just down to the 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 the, the position that I was born in and and do, do you do you see that do you see a shift in that since you started that there's there's more opportunity do you feel like because we know I know we say there's more but do we really think there is See, that's the thing. And this is this has always been for me a complicated topic because, you know, as a woman, obviously people are always going to be like, oh, you know, or like, you know, is there more opportunity for women? This and that, this and that. But when I came into this, because I was a girl, I didn't think anybody was going to care. I thought, well, no one's going to take me seriously. You know, I'm already told you don't have the voice for this. You look too young. And so I'm thinking, how the hell am I going to break into pro wrestling when people don't take me seriously? And so that's like the thing that you really have to, I feel as a girl, you have to do is make sure people take you seriously. And the only way the, I, I feel that you, the only reason why I'm at the point that I'm at is because I did everything in my power to make people see me and take me more seriously. I did a million jobs that, you know, I didn't want to necessarily do, but I did them so that it can help me grow and help me do more. And I don't think if I would have done, I'll just be honest with you. If I would have done the bare minimum, I would not be where I was at right now. And that's what I don't think a lot of people understand is that when you are a girl, you got to work harder. You cannot do the bare minimum. You've got to work harder. You've got to do more. And then it's so now like being in this position, my thing is like when I'm doing this job, I don't see myself as competing with other women. I don't see myself as competing with men. I see myself as competing with the very best, whoever the very best is, whether it's a man or it's a woman. I'm competing against that person and I'm going to, you know, do my best to compete against that person. Even uh, like, I'm like, I feel like if you, because there aren't so many women in wrestling media, if I were to just say, Oh, I'm just competing with the women, it would never, my, my career would never go to that next level. You've got to compete with the very best. And right now the very best are the men because they, you know, that's just how it is in this field. And so you've got to go in with that mentality. So, and if you do not go in with that mentality, if you go in with the mentality of, oh, I'm a woman and because I'm a woman, I deserve these opportunities. No, you've got to work extra harder. You've got to just realize that that's just the way it is. Work extra harder if you really want it, you'll get it. And the next thing you know, you're competing with the men who are at the very top. And you're somebody that pushed away from uh, that, from the station in, in Pasadena that told you no, and you found a way into the wrestling industry. And I want to talk about how you did uh, after we get your second match, Denise. So we've had uh, Samoa Joe and Kenda Kubashi uh, from Ring of Honor. What would you like your second one to be, Denise? All right, here we go. This is a little bit more recent, but 
here it is. Okay, so homecoming 2019 Impact Wrestling, Impact Tag Team titles on the line. Santana and Ortiz, LAX versus the Lucha Brothers. Um, dang. Okay, so this match for me, I think really just kind of, well, first of all, I was already like a big fan of LAX, but this was the match that made it for me. Where I was like, that's it. They're my favorite tag team. I'm done. That's it. I've made a decision. They're my team, whatever, right? And this match for me just kind of really made me fall in love with tag team wrestling. I was always a fan of tag team wrestling. You know, I grew up a fan of the Hardy Boys, of Edge and Christian and all of that, right? But it wasn't until I really like this match for me. It's what did it. It would make it made me such a big fan of tag team wrestling. And it just kind of like, I don't know. It was just such a great match. And I rewatched it again today in the morning. I rewatched all my matches today in the morning. And I was watching it and I was just like, man, these guys really went toe to toe with each other. And that's the thing that we all know, you know, seeing the Lucha Brothers, we all know the type of speed in which they work and, you know, how fast they move about in their matches. So, to see, you know, Santana and Ortiz, like, I feel they're the, like one of the only teams that can keep up with them in terms of that speed. And they did. And you see that in this match. It's so funny because even commentary, like at one point, they were like trying to call the match, right? But the action in the ring is moving so fast that like even them themselves, they have to like speed up just to try to like, you know, get everything that they can that's happening in this match. It was one of those don't blink matches. And I think that's what I really loved about it was the fact that it kind of went down as like, to me, in my opinion, one of the best tag team matches I've ever seen. Impact Wrestling is uh, a real, it's <clears throat> it's one of those promotions that they've been around for so long. They've outlived WCW at this point. And, you know, they kind of, you know, I feel like if the world blew up, there'd be cockroaches and Impact Wrestling <laughs> and, and nothing else. And, and they just keep on keeping on. And with with what they're doing now, especially now they're connected with AEW, I think it's it's amazing for them to be in the mix. Do you feel like Impact, you know, somebody like yourself who is who is who's so knowledgeable in the wrestling, um, is there something that Impact need to do to kind of push a little bit further up? Because I feel like no matter what they do, like in terms of and not in terms of the ring quality, because you know it's phenomenal. There's some amazing things, and as we always say, don't sleep on them. But in terms of like. The, the 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 cultural representation and like in and around the zeitgeist it's always just here it's always just here what do they need to do so my thing is that I feel like impact in a sort of way has always been underrated I don't think mm. they really get the credit that they deserve because you know we're talking about in-ring work when I go back and think of some of my favorite events that I've ever attended live, when I think of, you know, a lot of my favorite matches, a lot of the wrestlers that I feel just had their best work in impact wrestling with Kurt Angle being one of those people. And, you know, just you know, discovering AJ Styles, you know, his matches with Jerry Lynn there. Oh my God. It, it, it was fantastic. So I feel like they've had such good quality in ring work and I almost feel like that's not talked about enough now in terms of what they need to do different this is the thing is like when they were on spike tv like they were getting some good numbers on there and I really like oh my god if they were still on spike tv I do think that the game would be totally different right now the landscape of pro wrestling would be totally different I think impact wrestling has 
what it takes. They've always had what it takes. I just think that they've been hurt by too many things. All of the network changes. I think that definitely, you know, really, I mean, they were, you know, a destination America pop TV means so many different channels. And then, you know, they're finally, you know, now uh, God with access, right. But it's never been at the same place where it was with spike TV. And so I personally think that it's the network changes and all of that, that has really hurt it. Also, they, you know, they create a lot of talent, right? Mm. But then all the talent is taken from WWE and it's taken pool, you know, AEW takes it, WWE takes it. And that's great because you want the talent to grow, but obviously, you know, it does affect the brand to some extent. So it's one of those things where I feel like they've been hurt by several different factors where it's like, they constantly have to be like, rebuilding and all of that but there's I just think that there's work the work rate that they have I think it needs to be talked about more their past matches uh if you hadn't picked Santana and Ortiz we talk about like great impact wrestling matches what would have been like a close second place for you because again like this is the home of work rate so Probably, probably I'm going to go with like the AJ Styles, Jerry Lynn matches that I saw. And and they, they had a series of matches and those ones were the ones where I was just like hooked, man, like hooked. Uh, I would probably go there. And I mean, really anything that like I saw Kurt Angle do, you know, all the work that we saw with Samoa Joe. Um, God, I remember going to uh, Bound for Glory. Uh, God, when it was in, I'm thinking I was like, because I went to two, I went to Irvine and San Diego. Um, the Irvine show, the Irvine show was like, crazy insane like that one was so good top to bottom like every single match and like I just remember really enjoying myself at that show and so it's just kind of like as a whole I think they 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 put on some really great shows top to bottom they really do um with with getting you with your story let's get back to you getting back into uh, that world of wrestling um everybody met I think people who weren't aware of what you were doing got to know you when X-Pop got into the world of podcasting. So how did you get acquainted with, with Sean Waltman? So I was already doing, uh, I was already doing, you know, my entertainment work. I was doing that. So I was, I'm always the person that's always looking for different opportunities. And I was in a Facebook group. It's a host in LA Facebook group. So it's for hosts in the Los Angeles area. And so they posted that somebody posted a a post basically saying that they were looking for females that were interested in wrestling. So I showed up and it ended up being after buzz. And I saw that and I was kind of like, well, I guess I'll give it a try. Right. I was like, I'll do it. I, I, I say yes to everything. So I went, I showed up, I did it. And then um, I had known that X-Pac was, you know, had had his podcast there because it was something that was talked about. And so I essentially one day, you know, I showed up because I was friends with one of the uh, one of the people that helped out on the podcast. And I showed up and essentially I got to meet Sean there. And he was just kind of like, he's a very nice guy. So like if you meet him, he'll ask you questions about yourself. And and so obviously I was like, oh, I'm such a big fan of yours. And I started telling him like about, you know, me being a fan. And then he started asking, like, he was curious. He started asking me, you know, questions and about, you know, my my pro wrestling fandom. And so I started telling him and we kind of started talking then the following week they had a uh interview with ec3 and he just like they just told me like you know just you know hang around hang around right so the second week i show up and i'm thinking like okay their guest is ec3 i already knew in advance so what i did was when i found that out i prepared questions 
for EC3 and topics that I thought that they could ask them. And I showed up to the show. Keep in mind, I'm not on camera. I'm not part of the team. I just had questions. So uh, the team that was already there were kind of, you know, working and preparing. And so I essentially just uh, started giving the other members on the podcast my questions. And I said, here, like, go ask them this, this and that. Talk about this. Here are the questions. Uh, you know, here you go. Take it for you. And so whatever. Right. And I'm just kind of like I was just planning on watching the show from like the production area. And then they're about to go live. And then all of a sudden the producer is like tell the producer and Sean are like, hey, come in here and uh, we're going to try you out. And I was like, what? I'm not even ready for this. <laughs> What's happening here? You know, you guys are telling me this five minutes before you guys go on the air. And so they sat me down and they were just kind of like, okay, like, you know, just, you know, be you and don't feel like you have to try so hard, this and that. And I was like, okay, great. So I ended up asking all my questions that I had prepared, right? And then, I, uh, you know, whenever I saw an opportunity, I chimed in, I asked my questions, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then afterwards, uh, later on that day, I got a DM from Sean and he was just like, I like you. We're going to keep you on. And I was like, okay. And that's how I got involved in the show. So it's just one of those things where I was prepared, even though I wasn't intending to be part of the show, I was prepared just in case I could offer anything, you know, just take initiative. Right. And that's it. And I think this, and this is, this is what I love about what you do. And I think this is something that so many people can learn is it's taking that initiative and, and, and being aware of what's around you. Like nobody told you to prep questions, but you went, I'll probably just do that. And, and it's just, I, I see so much of this when I, when I watch what you do, you're clearly somebody who's just clued into everything. And, it, and what, what gets me is there's so many people who want to do the things that you do, but they miss the basic stuff, which is all about using your initiative. And it's not, it's, it's just, it's working that little bit harder and working that little bit smarter, which is what you do. Like little, it's little things. It's like joining an LA hosts group, which gives you that in, in the first place. How is that? Like, I always, the, the assumption is always that like trying to get sort of hosting work and presentation work in LA is, is really dog eat dog. Like that's the vibe that you get. Cause everybody is there. Like, like every waiter that serves you is, is trying to star in a blockbuster. And uh, is, is that the case is or is that a, a bit of misinterpretation from from people over here? So I don't know how to put this, but it's very, very competitive. You have a lot of it, the entertainment aspect of it. You have a lot of really gorgeous women that are competing for these spots. So you really have to be prepared you have to go above and beyond I was working with this company which was uh, called red carpet report and it was funny because I worked with them for five years okay and uh for five years get this I worked they were one of a bunch of companies that I worked with right but they were one that I essentially took away from like I wanted to I saw an opportunity there right for five years I worked for free for them five years okay and a lot of other girls did too now, here's the thing about that is that afterwards, once when I was essentially ready to go on and move on and do something else with my life, right? Uh, my boss told me that he kept a spreadsheet of all of the people that, all of the, the hosts that he's had, all of the uh, events that they covered. And keep in mind, this is five years later, I find out that I essentially was in the triple digits 
of events that I would cover for the company for compared. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. To all the other people on his roster that wanted to be reporters. And even though I wasn't getting paid, even though I was, you know, having to work all of these extra jobs, I didn't care. I showed up. I did the events and I ended up doing more than anybody else, which was how I was able to, uh, you know, just get better. But it was really just of, you know, you have to be reliable. If you're reliable and if people know that you're reliable and you're willing to do the work, they'll keep calling you back. That's the thing. So like I would, I started doing like the bottom of the barrel events, like things I didn't even care about, but I did them because they needed somebody. And then as I kept going, they kept giving me better and better and better events. And then during those events, I basically used that opportunity to network with other people that were there. So I would meet other people that ran, you know, different networks and stuff. And that's when I started getting a paid work. So by my second year of hosting, my first year in hosting, I didn't make any money at all. And it wasn't until my second year of hosting where I finally started to make money. And, you know, but that took a lot. I had to go and network with people. I had to, you know, apply to a million different places. And also what helped too was that I learned everything. So if you learn how to edit, you learn how to run camera, you learn how to self-shoot, you learn how to host, you learn how to ask questions, all of that. So basically what they would do, people would hire me and have me do everything so they wouldn't have to hire a cameraman they wouldn't have to hire an editor so they saw okay this person could do it all so great let's hire her obviously they they save a lot of money and they hire me to do the events and that's how essentially how I would do it and so I kind of just did that for like several years and I would just take work wherever I could and it kind of was cool because I ended up doing and working with so many different people and within that you end up meeting people. And every time you meet somebody, it leads to something else. Like all my jobs that I've ever had lead to something else, something uh, even better. 
it's so important that when you get those things and it is tough when you're doing it for free i did radio for like six maybe seven years for free because you just want to get in and it's finding that opportunity whenever you're doing it to to speak to somebody else and network and and it's maximizing those those moments during those years then those five years where you're 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 grafting you're plugging away and you're doing everything uh how often does the thought come around about is this is this worth it are we are we getting there does that come around every day every day because i think this is important because i think what's what what people were really keen for us to talk right because we we're both very positive people we genuinely both are and i think that uh you know i'm I'm proud to be put in that in that in that box with yourself but it's it's one of those where it's there is we are but there's also those days where you are just completely worn down by by it hard and you say every day and every day when you did those five years it was just like is this worth it are we doing or is this worth bothering so every day it was constant me applying to places and just constant rejection no 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 auditions which were i hate auditions they're terrible they like really i'm not good at auditioning i'm the kind of person that's good once i'm on the job auditioning i'm terrible i get so nervous i i start to overthink everything and so then i really screw myself right screw myself out of these jobs and you have no idea how many times i auditioned someplace and here's the thing i'm the person who really wants it so when i so i i make myself extra nervous when you really want it you make yourself extra nervous and so i would be really terrible at these auditions right but every audition that went bad i'd go home crying the entire drive my one hour drive you know go home crying and then i would get home and you know uh you know apply to jobs and people would either ignore you send you automated rejection notices or they'd start to interview you and then they'd go no we're going a different direction and it was just one of those things where it's like oh my god what can I do like what can I do for someone to finally say yes to me and so it was just a lot of that but the reason why I kept going was because every time I you know did an interview I covered an event I did whenever I had success it felt so good to have that success that I kept seeking it. See, you get me, you get me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You it's an addiction. It. It's you're addicted yes. to the endorphins that come from, you know, like when I, I've, I've hosted events and you come off stage and, and you are just, you're, you're, you're running on adrenaline still, even afterwards, no matter what the event is, you come off and the adrenaline's pumping. You don't sleep for hours afterwards. Um, and, and that's what you always live for. You, you can in the build up to it, you can forget that. But when you're in it, and when you finish it, when it's done, like God, there's the the endorphins are, are ridiculous. One hundred percent. That is exactly what I experienced. Where it was like when it was good, it was really good. When it was bad, it was bad. Oh, it's and- bad. It's soul crushing. <laughs> you just want to give everything exactly. up and become a postman. Like it's soul crushing. And I thought like I had serious conversations with myself and friends where I would be like you know is there something else that I can do is there something else that I want to do and I just couldn't find it any place else and I you know my shoot jobs I worked as a brand ambassador so uh in Los Angeles you know obviously it's a huge city huge you know metropolitan Mm. area so many 
event. So I worked as a brand ambassador for seven years. So that was the way that I essentially funded this dream. And I had just about every job that you can think of. I was a person on the street holding up a sign so you can get free tacos. Like I was flipping pancakes. I was, you know, telling people to taste wine, you know, all of these different things. And so in those jobs, I got really good opportunities to do other things, to take on other roles. You know, I was doing event management, event planning too, and I developed some really good relationships there. And, uh, it, you know, all of those were fun, but they did not make me happy. They didn't make me happy. Like, yeah, I was getting paid, but I wasn't happy. And then the stuff that I was happy doing, I wasn't getting paid. So it was this like really weird balance, but, you know, just kind of kept going and you just got to find uh, what is really meant for you. And I think if you keep going, eventually you find it. Um, that's just, just to drop back to it. So you, when you, when you do an audition that doesn't go well and you say there, you're, you're driving away and, you, and you're crying your eyes out because you're heading home and it's not gone well. What puts you back on the horse? So I have a rule. I have this very, very like rule, like that I apply to my life all the time. And I've kind of had it for like years. Like, uh, and it's a rule that I feel is a good one for me. I only, whenever I'm sad, I only allow myself like uh, a couple of hours of sadness. So it depends on the level of sad, right? So I can give myself an hour to be sad. I can give myself the rest of the evening to be sad. But the following day, I'm not allowed to be sad anymore. And I just take it all away. I, I don't know how to explain it. I'm just, I, can, I get rid of it. I get rid of all of it. And I just put myself in this mentality of really I do not like feeling sadness. I do not like feeling anger. I only like feeling like happiness and that. So I always try to find the positive in everything. I try to find, you know, the happiness in everything. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, like we live one life, right? Like I'm not going to go and like beat myself up over something that let's be real in a couple of years is not going to matter. And I started, and I started thinking about that. I was like, okay, I would beat myself like even years before I would beat myself up over, you know, some insignificant things. And then it wouldn't matter me to me then. So I knew that the stuff that I was worrying about now wouldn't matter in five years or whatever. And so I'm like, why am I hurting myself? Not like hurting myself, but like, why am I mentally torturing myself? when I don't need to do that. And like, even now I try to tell myself that too, because, you know, obviously we all want to be at a different level. We all want to be at a different spot. And so I, you know, sometimes I start to get that way and I'm like, nope, nope. You got to take that all away. You can't be like that because every time, and here's, this is my big thing. This is a big lesson that I've learned. Every time that I spend energy feeling sorry for myself or feeling sorry for a lack of opportunities or all of this, all this wasted energy could have been me maybe making a video, maybe me reaching out to somebody for an interview. It could have been time that I could have used for something else instead of like crying or, you know, just, you know, making myself depressed, you know, all of that. Like you can use your energy in an entirely different direction. And that's been something that, and it's not easy to do. It's not easy. You got to be working on it and you got to find things that help you. Like for me, it's music. Music will help me. I will listen to music. I'll listen to songs that are like inspirational or that I find inspiration in. Right. Or, you know, even watching a movie, like watching inspirational movies. Oh, those could do it for you too. And like, all of a sudden you're like, all right, I feel good again. You know, you got to re-energize yourself. We, I'm just with the whole idea of 
um, like blocking out time just to go, I'm going to be sick. Okay. I, and because then if you go, right, there's no way I can get over this. I can't talk myself around from this. I can't, I have to be sad. So I'm, I'm going to do it. And I, I like how you schedule sad, like you schedule the rest of your day. Like you schedule like, sadness, you schedule sadness. And, and there's something quite, there's something about th- that that I really like. Cause it's, it's all, it's all about taking back control. Cause the thing about when you're feeling sad, when you're feeling anxious, you're not in control. So for you, it's going, okay, I'm going to allow myself to feel that, but for this time and at this point, and there's something quite empowering about that. I'll give you a perfect example. So this March, I was rejected by my dream job, the job that I had been working so hard to get. And I uh, I think you could probably know what job that I'm talking about here, but I was rejected. Okay. I think I think I know. Well, uh, you know, if you want to tell me when we're off, you can, but I think I, I, know. You, I was rejected by WWE and I was okay. very, very, very sad about it. Okay. I was very upset. I How thought- close did you did you come? I was applying, uh, it was a six month process. Okay. Okay. So it was, are we six, uh, are we six months into the process when they said no? Yes. Right. Okay. So okay. for six <laughs> months prior, so from December, 2020 to March, 2021, I was in the process. Right. And so during that time I was, uh, I had like seven interviews I had seven interviews. I had, uh, I created content. I appeared on watch alongs, uh, you know, all of that stuff, right? It's created videos from scratch, et cetera. It was a six month process of basically waiting and waiting and, okay, we're going to have you do this now. We're going to have you do this now. And I was like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing it all. And then you're down to the final four. Great. And here I am. Okay. You're down to this. And, you know, I have friends in places. So they would tell me, you know, some of the feedback that they would hear. (laughs) And so like, uh, so during the six month process, it was kind of just like very, very, uh, when you're waiting for someone to give you an answer, you're kind of a little bit on edge. Okay. Like you're like, Mm. God, like, what, I don't know what else I can do. Like I've done just about it all. And so I was on a Friday, I got the call and they're basically like, we, you know, the team loved you, whatever. I don't know. I mean, I don't think they love me that much or they wouldn't have given me the job. Right. <laughs> but they were like, uh, you know, the team loved you, but we've decided to go in a different direction. We still want to have you do stuff with us, but blah, blah, blah. And I was kind of like, okay. And that was kind of it. I didn't ask any questions. I didn't say anything. And then I just like broke down crying. And it was just like this very, very, uh, the darkest place I'd ever been in. Cause I thought, oh my God, I did everything possible. Everything, nobody's doing what I'm doing. If anything, I went above and beyond. My interviews were great. Everything was great. You start to play back everything that you did, right? And so I just thought like, what the hell did I do wrong? I started questioning everything about myself. And so finally, like I allowed myself to be sad that Friday, that Saturday, that Sunday, it kind of went a little longer this is, than I this was is a, This is a long timetable of sad today. <laughs> yes, it was not. A, and here's what I did too. And this is very, I don't know if this is like a bad thing, but this is what I did. I took a picture of when I was really, really sad. I took a few pictures because I was just in a bad place. I took a picture so that I could remember what that was like. So every time I decide, um, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of one of like a motivational thing. Yeah. I will tell you by that Monday that went, okay. So by that Monday, I was out sending people emails. I was emailing people by Wednesday. I was already making all of these like 
business decisions. And like, by the end of the week, I had like a bunch of new jobs. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And so it kind of lit a fire, you know? Yeah. And, and it's when stuff like that happens, when you get bounced back like that, it's, it, it, it was one of those things where there, there may not be enough that you could have done in, for what the criteria that they wanted. And it's never a fail. It's not a failing in you. If you, you did everything you could, sometimes they just go, uh, and it's just and right. it's frustrating because it goes and you you know all this anyway but it's frustrating because you all you can do all you're left to do is put eyes on yourself and go what did i do wrong why didn't i fit the bill there what was what was wrong with what i did but then like it's and and you you, you know you came around and you talked yourself around but then like i i, I the, the closest i've come with stuff like that is it is in radio i was up for a national radio award a few years ago um and I get down to the final three and I don't get it. And I remember just being like devastated by it. But then there's my dad on my phone just going, bloody hell, you're the top three in the country. That's amazing. Like, we're so proud of you back here. Like, and you forget, and you kind of lose sight of that a little bit. And when you, when you kind of do the big picture and you go, well, like, you know, there's Denise who was uh, not many years ago being told at a local TV network, you ain't going to make it. And then here you are like having conversations with WWE, like being in that field, like even okay, it didn't pan out the way you wanted it to, but man, what an experience! What a, what a drive! What a, what a thing to happen! And uh, and and it's taking stuff from that, and I think that's probably what that's what being positive is about, isn't it? It's it's not so much about um, it's it's not so much about always everything being great, but it's sort of learning to to dance in the rain a little bit. Exactly, and like that's the like I think you said like the keyword there is like the big picture. You have to look at the picture, big picture. Mm -hmm. And I'm so bad at that. Thankfully, I'm surrounded by people that can help me with that. And it really is true. And like now, like it's crazy. But like even now, like, I, yeah, that day, that weekend, I thought it was like the worst thing ever. And I thought my life was a disaster and all of this. And then it was just like so many things changed from that point on. And I almost feel like everything worked out for the better. You know, uh, it, it was like it worked itself out. And I just think like, you know, things are meant to be if things are meant to be for you they're meant to be and I'm a huge believer in destiny and that everyone is destined for something like that's just my uh you know train of thought and so like everything has just been like obviously it requires a lot of work you know but it's like you just figure things out and they get, they get better. Like, I'm almost like thankful for that because like, yeah, I'm not, you know, I got rejected from my dream job, et cetera, but yet I'm still doing all of these interviews. And now I'm not just tied into like one company. No, I'm working with all of these other companies to, you know, interview their talent, et cetera. And, you know, I finally was able to purchase my uh, first apartment um, earlier this year. I couldn't afford an apartment that was not going to happen. And so, you know, it finally happened and that happened two months after that rejection. And that's, you know, that's how fast, you know, things happen, but it, it's been very interesting. And the cool thing was the, the fun part for me is that like, I have a lot of people that like that work for the company and they'll come up to me and be like, I'm a big fan of yours. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? But that's it. Cause that's, that's, you're out there now, you know, and, and I think no, no greater example of your work, I think was watching, it was around SummerSlam and, and the, the sheer amount of videos that you put up. And I, and I, and I don't know whether enough people give credit where credit is due is that you're a one woman army in the sense that you were doing the interview. You were, you were setting up the camera on the tripod, getting the interview, right. Start the recording, get, you know, next one, next one, next one, find somewhere with Wi-Fi 
edit done online and that's all you and, and, and I think, about it and then and then you do all the social part you know the social back end of it and all that stuff and and that's and that's all you and and I and, and I want to make sure that gets the credit that it deserves because that's a Thank true you. example of, of of graft and grind and, and going okay I'm doing this on my own I can either complain about the fact that this is a lot to do for one person or I can just go what an amazing opportunity this is how this is how we're gonna do it this is how we're gonna make it happen you know exactly and it made me happy it made me so happy like being there like you know even afterwards yeah, like what after experience. everything right and it was just like it was it was just so cool and then you know like even like hearing some of the talent like some of the talent like they would be like oh yeah like i know you like i'm a fan of you or like rhea ripley on camera she was like i watch you on youtube i'm like what the heck wild and like i've had like you know a couple of other people too that were like oh yeah like i know you this and that and it was so weird just the other day i was interviewing uh chelsea green for the first time and she was like i feel like i know you already and i'm like what like this is the first time we're meeting like it's crazy and so like yeah like that was hard and all of that and you know things are still going to be hard you know i'm still facing rejection every day it's fine whatever right you just got to keep going just got to keep working and and just got to stay positive allow yourself to be sad though honestly like allow yourself to be sad like crying is fine you gotta let it out and then you just gotta move on just last night i was crying i was crying to my fiance for like a whole hour i like how excitedly you say that oh i was crying last night actually yeah i was like happy to i was like i'm having a breakdown i don't know what to do what were you you crying about what were you crying about about? Well, this sounds dumb, but it's not, it was not dumb to me. You know, I was crying because I didn't know what to do with my YouTube channel and I didn't know which direction to go in. And I started moving one direction and then I was like, nope, that's not the right direction. But then I, I was basically weighing the pros and cons and like, I broke down and I was like, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. And then like, you know, obviously it takes somebody that's not, you know, crumbling down and their whole world's not falling apart for them to paint you and the big picture you know and so it was just kind of funny because I was just like yeah that what happened last night <laughs> but I think that's important to have that around you like like my good lady's very much that for me in the sense that if um you know you can get stuck in your own head sometimes and stuff and I and I've always I, a lot of my family when we, we don't we don't talk that much about stuff that's going on we just don't it's not just not something we do, but Alex is a, is a real talker and her family talk about stuff all the time. And Alex has brought that out in me. And even if something's stupid, at least it feels stupid in my own head. It's learning to go, this is why I feel sad now and just say it. And for her, and then it'll be Alex going, okay, do you, and then as soon as you say it, and I find, I don't know whether you're the same, as soon as the words <laughs> fall out of your mouth that are making you sad, you kind of look at them in your hand and go, just, that's not really worth being sad about maybe it is so true and it's so nice to have somebody to basically just kind of like even just talking though like even just Mm. saying out loud like I feel sad and this is why there's therapy in that honestly there there really is it's important to talk is the thing and it's a bit of a cliche that we use a lot when we had mental health things like you know DMs always open always good to talk but it, it genuinely is it genuinely, it genuinely, it's helped me every single time to do that. Um, I don't know how long I've got you for, because I know how wildly busy you are. Oh, I'm, don't worry. I'm here for whatever time you need me. Cool. Because I wanted just, because I wanted to ask you about your day. 
because like I'm fascinated by a day in the life of Denise Alcida because you seem to do so many things. You wear so many different hats. And like, I know for a fact that when we're talking now, it's 11 in the morning and you've already said, I did a video for WrestleTalk. I also watched the matches back that I did and I did this. So I'm very aware you've probably been up for a while. So I'm just intrigued what a day, a, a day for Denise looks like. So every day is a little bit different, but I'll kind of give you like a rough outline. I wake yeah. up, I eat breakfast. What time do you wake up? Out. What time do you wake up? Today? Oh, today mm-hmm. I woke up at seven. Seven o'clock. Okay. Yeah, well, today I woke up at seven. So I woke up at seven. I had breakfast. Usually I'll have either a bagel or I'll have like a egg whites and hash brown and a coffee. And then I uh, come to my computer and I read my emails. I go through my social media. Then I, uh, you know, clean up myself. I, you know, do the toiletry stuff. You know, I get ready. I get ready for the day. I get dressed. I put my makeup on, clean my face, brush my teeth, all of that type of stuff. Wipe hash brown off yourself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then um, usually what I'll do is I'll like follow up on emails. And then depending on what day it is, uh, I basically have like something different every day. But what I normally do is I start off with like my videos. So like the videos that I have to create for the Sportster, like I'll do that. I'll, I'll kind of go and see like what news is on and what videos, what I can do a video on. Or maybe I have an interview. I've been having a lot of interviews in the morning. Like yesterday I had like, no, the day before yesterday I had, see, this is what I mean. The day before yesterday I had like three interviews and a t- a show yesterday i was over at um i was doing a, a home shopping stream yesterday and then today i had the wrestle talk show and then this so it's like every day's different but uh so there's like a theme for each day so but the first half of my day is usually doing interviews creating content sending emails that type of stuff sending stuff up and then uh the uh probably like around three three like no, like three, four o'clock is when I will do like errands where I'll like clean the house and do stuff like that. And then at five on the, you know, like 440 is dinner time. Five o'clock is uh, watch wrestling. So that's Monday, Tuesday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because those are the days I have shows and Fridays. So every day except Thursday, Thursdays is my day, my my evening to do other stuff. And then uh, so I do my I watch the shows at five. I live tweet throughout the shows. As soon as the shows are done, I come here. I do the live streams. After the live streams, I edit the audio. I write the little articles and then I send it off. And then I promote the shows on social media, et cetera. And then after all that said and done, I make the schedule for the following day to see what I'm going to do for the following day so that I know what's going on. And then after that, I uh, take a shower. And then after I take a shower, I go to bed and I watch TV. And there's always a different show that I'm watching. It's a busy day. It's a full day. Yeah, every it's a day. Full day. It's even yeah. like the thing like setting your schedule for the next day. Like you're kind of already starting the next day, the day before. Yes. Really. I make sure to like mentally play out the day, like in my head so that I don't mm-hmm. forget what I have to do. What, what do you do with regards to burnout? Um, so like I was feeling a little tired uh, this past weekend, actually, or maybe the week before that, because uh, I had been doing a lot of traveling. I had done Las Vegas, Chicago and all of that. So it really burned me out, man. Like I was tired. Um, honestly, I take a nap. I take a nap. It's like if I got to take a nap, I got to take a nap. That's it. Like that's that's what needs to go down. Then that's what I'll do. Because I almost feel like some, I would feel so guilty whenever I take a nap. Like I feel guilty because I'm like, oh my gosh, I was like three hours. I could have done something, but I was actually, okay. So one of my people that I like, I really look up to is Selena Gomez. And she like, she's like everywhere. Okay. She's owns a business. She's got, you know, uh, 
TV shows, music career, et cetera. I was reading an article where they asked her, what does she do to like, you know, relax and reset? She goes, I take a nap. And I was like, if Selena Gomez can take a nap, I can take a freaking nap. <laughs> I was like, that's it's it. Simple, but if, yeah, it's, 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 it, most people would say, I'll do constructive yoga, I'll paint, I'll go, I'll, I think nap is quite simple. I'll just have it's a nap. Like a nap. Yeah. It really, really, makes the day so much better and I you know wake up and I'm like all right cool I could continue on for the day <laughs> okay so naps so schedule naps schedule sadness schedule sadness schedule naps watch tv I love tv mm. what are you watching I at the moment that isn't what, what are you watching at the moment that isn't wrestling the morning show on apple tv with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon nice um uh only murders in the building with Selena Gomez and uh, the Golden Girl reruns. That's the three shows that I'm currently watching right now. I'm glad the Golden Girls are getting another run out. This is yeah, it's lovely to see. <laughs> I got concerned because the, they're they're launching Peacock everywhere, so I'm terrified that we're going to end up getting it because um, I quite like the network, but I think that's going. Um, but one of the things they've talked about with this in this international rollout of Peacock. They said, oh, we're re it's a it's the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and I was like, oh, okay. So like this could be like Will Smith doing the Uncle Phil bit, and a reckless nephew turns up with hilarious consequences. Uh, no, it's just a dramatic reboot of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, <laughs> and I don't know how I feel about it. Today. I don't like reboots. Like I haven't seen one reboot that I've honestly can say that I like. Like I'm terrified when they do like my favorite shows. Like I loved Gossip Girl. I started watching the reboot that they did. Oh, it's god awful. I stopped <laughs> watching like within like twenty minutes. <laughs> You haven't watched Squid Game then? Lots of people I haven't yet. I haven't yet, but people were telling me, oh, you got it, Denise. You got it. So I'm gonna. Yeah, okay. No spoilers for Squid Game. That's fine. <laughs> um, we got one more match to get to. Before we do, one thing I like to do as a little surprise, it's nothing bad, I promise. Um, we like to see, as well as taking three wrestling matches, you're allowed to take with you a movie, an album, and a luxury item. And uh, the luxury item can be something of sentimental value. It can be a bit of tech. It can be something to keep you amused on the island. Um, it could be whatever. Um, but we'll get to that at the end. So if you're going to take a movie with you, Denise, what's the movie going to be? Oh, dang. Oh, mm. that's hard. One movie. I feel like I have to go with my favorite movie, The Phantom of the Opera. Nice. So I definitely have to go with that one. It has music so I can listen to some different music while I'm, you know, watching the movie. Um, one album i have to go with so my favorite one taylor swift. swift one taylor swift album i'm gonna go with reputation because that is my favorite taylor swift album although it's gonna hurt because i love all the other ones too but i'm gonna go with reputation and then for my luxury item um i'm gonna go with my laptop or my desktop my desktop because my desktop's bigger so i'm taking the desktop nice okay so yeah so you can carry it so that means you'll carry on grafting while you're there <laughs> yeah, so, there you go. I'm just going to live. It's practically my same life as long as I have my desktop with me. Big fan of that. I'm a big fan of that. So we're going to get to your last match in a moment. Just talk through some of the places that you do work now then where people can find you. So so you're at Fightful where uh, you and Sean Rossap have a delightful relationship. 
that, that always <laughs> brings me joy to watch online. <laughs> how, yeah, do you, get, how do you and Sean get together? How do you and Sean get together? So I, okay, so someone, I don't even remember like who exactly. So, oh my God, I got to give this person like a huge thank you. So like someone tagged me in one of Sean's posts a while back. He was looking for a raw co-host and I didn't really know Sean at all. Like I didn't know any, I didn't know him. Like we didn't know each other. And someone tagged me and you know me, I'm always, you know, willing to do whatever it takes. So I reached out to him and I was like, hey, I heard you're looking for a raw host. This is me. This is what I do. I sent him my YouTube channel. I sent him my demo reel. I sent him my resume. I sent, I told him I worked with the podcast. He already knew who I was. I was like, dang, Sean knows everything. He really knows everything. And I was like, okay, well, you already know who I am. So that's great. And so he was like, let's do it. And so we uh, started doing the show. And then it just like progressively just like got better and better. And, you know, you just develop a friendship over the years. And that's pretty much what happened there. Um, so, yeah, I do the Fightful stuff. I do the uh, the Observer stuff, which is my show uh, three times a week. Speak now pro wrestling. And that's my solo show, which has been like it's my baby. It's really my baby. It's my the best thing that's happened to me. And what and a great then, honor as well to be connected to like a, 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 an establishment like Wrestling Observer. Was that yes. was that something again that that you created? Was that an opportunity that you created, Denise? Was that something? So that... I'll tell you how that came about. That's I'll what tell you how that came out. about. Tell yeah. me how that came about. So I was always a fan of theirs. You know, I'd been listening to them for years. You know, like years, right? And so then, like I uh, always wanted to work with them, but I was like, oh, there's no shot, right? It ain't gonna happen, right? Yeah, and yeah. I met them at the New Japan show in Long Beach and I just went up to them and I was like, hey, hi, 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 whatever, right? And then afterwards, I finally got up the courage to send Brian an email and I was like, okay, like, this is who I am. This is what I, my experience, this is what I would like to do. And, you know, like, I just asked, like, if there's any opportunities for me whatsoever, I'll take whatever I can get. So yeah, I emailed Brian and I told him, you know, everything that I had to offer and if there was anything for me and then um after that i got connected to uh tony and then we kind of talked for a little bit but nothing really happened so i just kind of kept going i just kept emailing them and i kept uh sending them links of my work i this happened for a full year i was just sending them links of my work <laughs> and i would send them press releases and all of that stuff and then one day out of nowhere out of the blue i get an email from tony and he's like Hey, we want to do something with you. And I was like, okay. And we jump on a call and, you know, we brainstorm some ideas. And then about two weeks later, I was, had a show, had everything done, had brand new equipment brought to me. And then that's kind of how that kind of went down, but it was like consistency. Like, I think they wanted to see that I was consistent. They needed to see that you were going to stick around and do it. This wasn't just like a, I'll do it for a few weeks. And I'll get bored. Like they wanted to see that you could actually carry on. Exactly. Exactly. And so that made me really happy. And, you know, I'm like, uh, like the first woman that's had a show on there, like my own solo show. So that's mm. been like pretty like that. I, I like to brag about that. That's as you should. OK, so <laughs> so we got fight for we've got sports stuff. We've got wrestling observer. Um, we'll mention wrestle talk. Wrestle talk as well. Yeah, I do. I do a weekly show with Luke Owen, who's been like the kindest person that I've ever met. And we've developed a really nice friendship there too. So we do that show on Friday. And then on top of that, I have my YouTube channel, which is Instincts Culture, which is my baby. And that's like really just like, I'm really trying to grow that. And that's really, that's my baby right there. And then on top of that, I take outside work. So you do, there's, there's, there's plenty going on, as I think we've discovered over the last uh, hours that we've spoken. We're going to get to your third and final match then, Denise. 
So we we've, we've had uh, we had Kabashi and Samoa Joe from Ring of Honor. We had the Luchas versus Santana Ortiz from Impact. What's your third and final one going to be, Denise Salcedo? All right, my third and final one is going to be the TLC match from WrestleMania 17, Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, and the Hardy Boys, and that's because that match really, in my opinion, set the tone, set the Man, it really just moved tag team wrestling to another level. It like made the TLC match, in my opinion, and special meaning for me. That was the first WrestleMania I ever watched live. So WrestleMania 17 was my first WrestleMania where like we had a party. I was, you know, in the living room watching. And so like for me, it has like a special memory. And I had the D I, I bought the VHS afterwards. I got the WrestleMania 17 VHS. And then I also had the TLC VHS. So I kind of would watch like those together because I didn't have very many VHSs. <laughs> what's um what's a moment from that match this day? Jesus. Well, I know I there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we already know the iconic like Edge Spear on Jeff Hardy. That was great, you know, and all of the big spots that they did with the tables. And I rewatched that one this morning, too. And um, but for me, I think going back to that period in time, I was a big fan of Lita, like a big fan. So when she came out, I was like, oh, my God, Lita's coming out and Lita's there. Oh, my God. And, you know, she gets in the ring and she does her thing. And I was just like freaking out over it. So like back then, that was my favorite part was when Lita came out and she was incorporated into all of this. And now it's more so of like just seeing for me now, it's more of some like a symbolism thing of what I think that match means. And so that's been like the for me, that like, yeah, there's different layers to like to that match, which is why I wanted to add it to my list. Amazing. Great choice for a third and final match. Um, we let's see where we where can we find you on? Because I could genuinely genuinely talk with you all night. Um, and it's been really I think what's been nice is for people to hear like behind Denise on the YouTube, like then just hearing like how much you actually do and how far uh, you actually go. Um, where can people find you online? I know we said quite a few places already, but on your socials and stuff, where are you at there? YouTube.com slash Denise Salcedo. That's the place to go. Like seriously, I'm about to hit 50K. I'm, oh my gosh, I'm only like a couple hundred subscribers away. It's terribly annoying, um, but I'm almost there. And then uh, Twitter, because that's where I share everything. So Twitter at underscore Denise Salcedo and then Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo and then TikTok at underscore Denise Salcedo. I get on with TikTok. Uh, I used to be really popular on TikTok, but then I kind of stopped and I would, I was live streaming there for three years. No, three years. Yeah. I think three years for, mm. for three years. I was working with an entertainment company. So I would do that. And I developed quite a nice following there. I got like over hundred K followers. It was great, but I got burned out. I wasn't as interested. So I left. And so that kind of like fizzled out for a bit, but now I'm back. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Find find these on the on the 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 nonsense that is TikTok. We're trying it at Carholic. I think I'm the only one that's really giving it any umph. I'm just saying, <laughs> lads. Uh, it's, it's just me at the moment posting silly uh, bollocks mainly. Um, your final question. The final question. I like to end on this. So uh, we go back. Let's let us let's take Denise back now uh, to that TV station. Uh, you've walked in, blonde hair, and uh, you're being told. Uh, you need, you know, this isn't a good look. You don't work here. This isn't going to, this isn't for you, kid. What would you like to tell that version of Denise uh, that uh, would put her in good stead going forward? Run the hell out of there and start your <laughs> YouTube channel already, girl. What the hell are you waiting for? Talk about what you love. Do your own thing. Get out. Run. Run. <laughs> Run as Run. far away as you can. <laughs> 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.